Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. Uh, my name is Chris Denson. If you haven't uh, seen this or heard this podcast, um, then you should know that we talk to a lot of people who are innovators in their fields, um, really cool, interesting ideas in the marketplace, and kind of explore the processes by which they happen. Uh, with me today, to my left... Say hi, Susan. Hi. How are you today? I'm great. How are you, Chris? Great. You look. You look. You got so tan. I went to Costa Rica. Oh, nice. Nice. I, well, you know who else went to Costa Rica? Oh. No, I didn't go to Costa Rica. You've been to Costa Rica before. <laughs> I, I was not invited. Uh, well, you didn't go to Costa Rica with her. I've actually never been to Costa Rica. Are you okay? So anyway, Nirvan Mullick. Say hello, Nirvan. Hello. Um, so uh, Susan is my lovely guest co-host. Nirvan is our honored and esteemed guest for this episode of Innovation Crush. You've traveled a lot, though. Yeah. You've been like all over. The, you and I went to Africa together. But uh, aside from that, where else have you been and, and why? Um, I did some work actually in Syria before um, the political situation got really hairy, uh, working with youth with disabilities. Um, been to Indonesia on business. For my sister. Nice. <laughs> Just been all over. Yeah, yeah. Um, so give us the, a little bit of the 101 on who Nirvan Mullick is and, you know, a little bit of your uh, your professional and, and personal history. Well, I'm a filmmaker in Los Angeles. Uh, I was born in India, grew up in Florida, came out here to study experimental animation back in 2000. What is experimental animation? It's just an approach to animation more as a personal form of expression. Right. Uh, as opposed to actually learning something useful. Okay. <laughs> well, your personal expression is useful, isn't it? No, I, I went to a school called California Institute of the Arts. Cal okay. Arts, and they actually have two different animation programs there. Yep. Uh, one of them is character animation. Uh, John Lasseter went there. Tim Burton went there. You know, the guys who started Pixar. And, and uh, yes. Some, yeah. some well-known yeah, animators yeah. went. They did more of the character animation. Though I think Tim Burton might have been an experimental. I actually don't know. Um, but like Steve Hillenberg, who started SpongeBob SquarePants, he went in experimental animation. He came from a marine biology background, right. um, you know, and started making more experimental forms. Really, not necessarily learning how to be a great animator in terms of the technique, the movement, the discipline on that end. Although yeah. you certainly have access to that, but really learning how to use different types of animation just as a form of personal expression so so let's not say it's useful though what did you like what did you personally pull out of that that you i don't know like is there are there any particular principles that you use in your filmmaking today sure uh i think you know being really disciplined about um making every frame count keeping things really tight i think when you come from an animation background it's so much work you spend years making really short films right. that when it comes down to making uh, a short film you really think about the value of every frame in terms of moving the story forward. You should talk to Susan. She's learning photography now. Okay. She's, she's hung up her marketing gloves. To, to give, a, give a little bit of your background so for context, because I think this is a, a good marriage right. of the mind. I come from a creative agency background, so we do everything from augmented reality, uh, social games, and whatnot. So with the animation part, I think that's really interesting because you know now... More and more, it's uh, becoming more mobile. It's an, a mobile experience. It's augmented reality. You hold your phone to something, and then you see, like, for instance, Spider-Man jump out, and yep. you know. So I'm interested in learning. Yeah, that's more about cool that. stuff. Yeah, and just from like the whole story, like the idea of telling a story, right? I mean, to your point, is make every frame count, even whether you're building an experience like that. And I love that 
in the in this context, you're tr- transitioning into photography, you know, and and kind of we're all storytellers of sorts. Um, I, I also think like learning how to develop an idea and keep it in tune with itself as you make a lot of choices um, with animation. It, there's such um, a pain to product ratio where the choices you make, you really have to work really hard to make them happen. Right. So you really weigh your decisions. It was kind of like when people used to shoot on film, they'd be a little bit more disciplined about what they shot. Right. You know, nowadays you shoot more and you end up paying for it in post and editing. That's interesting because I, I would look at that also just in terms of the ease of digital media, you know, has given us in, in terms of creation. Right, you can try a bunch of stuff, yeah. right, and and until you get it right. Um, how much of that is important to you to get it done right the first time versus like trying it, if, uh, you know, once or twice? It's a mixture. Uh, if it's something I've already tried before, I really want to nail it. You know, right. Um, my my very first film I made was self taught. And um, was I, the name I was, of it, or was it? No, <laughs> it, it was called Self Taught Nirvana Malik. It was film. actually a. I was studying philosophy as an undergrad in Florida at a school called New College, and um, wanted to make a film for my thesis project. Right. I thought film's a better vehicle for ideas, uh, at least the ideas I was having. Okay. Um, so that's kind of what got me into filmmaking, storytelling, um, and I made so many mistakes in that film. You know, so I mean, in terms of going for perfection, I might have been trying to go for perfection, but. Right. Ultimately, you're like learning so much. Um, so I think it's really important to take the same approach in filmmaking that people take towards startups. Yeah. You know, where you just kind of do something rapidly, get something together. But it depends on the project, right? So yeah. while you're developing some short things, experimenting with things, you're, you might also be working on a bigger project that you're really being careful about everything and going for that perfection. Well, that's also the, I mean, the other interesting part of your story is kind of like the business side, right? You've got this creative expression, you know, expressionist part of you, but then you've also got, you know, you're, you're involved in a few different businesses. Can you just walk us through a couple of those that, you know, that you're, that you're Sure. I mean, I, I have a creative agency as well called Interconnected, uh, which I started after doing a bunch of consulting and kind of grew out of creative work that I'd been doing in the film digital space right? Um, where people started asking me to do that for their companies and, and uh, so I started an agency uh, it's a boutique agency but um, and then with the Kane's Arcade Project the short film that, that uh, we made yes, um, we launched a non-profit called the Imagination Foundation which grew out of the the global response to that film. So um, let's let's back up to, to the beginning of Kane's Arcade because I love I mean I love the story of how it was just a very organic organic encounter, yeah. right? Um, kind of walk us through like the inception of what Kane's Arcade be- became. Um, well, the, the the story for me began when I went to buy a door handle for my car. I have a '96 Corolla. Uh, nice, yeah, sweet, ladies. Sweet. If anybody's looking for a guy with, <laughs> with a broken door handle, which has since been fixed, um, yeah. So I was driving this car around with this broken door handle for a long time. Um, I ended up starting this creative agency, making enough money to buy a newer car, and then finally being like, okay, I'm going to fix this door handle. Right. Not because I cared, because I was going to sell the car. You Got know, it. So it was worth five bucks to you know fix that handle for other five people. Five bucks will get you another 150 Exactly. Right. That was the thinking. So <laughs> I, I went down to Boyle Heights, uh, where there's a bunch of used auto parts stores, and I pulled into a random store I'd never been to before. And when I went in to buy this door handle, 
the front of the store had been taken over by this nine-year-old boy and all these cardboard boxes. And um, turned out he'd built an arcade out of cardboard boxes. This was his dad's used auto parts store. And this kid's name was Kane. Right. Still is. Um, <laughs> and That's so, good. Yeah Kane, yeah. Kane said, hey, do you want to you play? I said, what is this? He said, this is my arcade. I said, how does it work? He said, well, for a dollar, you can get four turns. Or for $2, you can get a fun pass. And you get 500 turns right, right. so I'm entrepreneur like, oh, yeah <laughs> exactly amazing upsell so i said i'll, I'll take the fun pass obviously who um, counted the turns he does oh re- yeah, okay he I does. <laughs> actually didn't use all my turns that first day and he wrote me this little like torn off piece of paper receipt that i still had like 423 turns to come back. <laughs> nice yeah, it's good for a month um and his games were amazing i mean he built his own cardboard office you know, he had a um, little intercom system that imagined he like was just some iPod headphones plugged into the box that he spoke into. <laughs> um, the games were really simple. It was like a little paper basketball yeah. game, a little hoop that he'd won at Shakey's Pizza, um, a little soccer game with his G.I. Joe guys, his goalies, um, Army guys. They weren't G.I. Joe guys. Yes. Uh, what else? Um, you know, he had a... Uh, and when, when you score a point in these games, he, he would crawl into the boxes and push out tickets, right? <laughs> I mean, it was a total analog. Like, this kid right. made this amazing arcade. And I was like, this is amazing. What's, what's this called? And, and he said, Kane's Arcade. I said, what? And that's when he turned around. He showed me he was wearing this I'm Kane. Well, he was wearing a blue shirt, this blue aqua shirt, teal. He turned around, on the back of the shirt it said Kane's Arcade. And on the front of the shirt it said Staff. <laughs> so this kid had taken this lemonade concept right. into an arcade out of cardboard and his dad's used auto parts store and he'd taken it all the way. And he'd, you know, he had toy prizes, which yeah. were his matchbox cars. And he made little display cases. It was amazing. All these like little handwritten notes and rules. And it's clear he spent a lot of time making this. So I had a great time and I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like I went yeah. from um, running this errand to, I mean, when he crawled into these boxes and pushed out the tickets yeah that literally like transported me back to my own childhood right it was like that's what i was going to ask you like what what was the connection for you because you know a lot of people like i encounter kids all the time right and, and uh I, but i don't turn around and do what, what we'll get into in a minute is what you ended up turning kane's arcade into you know a lot of things started to happen um they didn't all happen at that moment but i sure. was instantly I reminded of my own childhood, um, things that I used to make, businesses that I used to make, um, games I used to play with cardboard boxes, um, you know, my own relationship with my father, all these things kind of, you know, this is a father-son business, um, dad worked, you know, had to bring his kid to work with him over the summer and his kid, like his imagination just went nuts and he was allowed the whole front of the store, he ended up taking the entire front half of the store over with his cardboard Arcade. Which is, I mean, that's that's also something, right? I mean, when you look at, like, most parents aren't going to be like, you know, you got to clean up your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, and, and Kane's dad, George, you know, this was sort of um, his babysitter, right? So he'd be working in the back, and then he had a security camera that he could see up front, and his son was out there building stuff and making stuff, and um, so it worked out for him as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I ended up um, deciding to make a short film about Kane's Arcade, 
I went back and met his father and I asked if I could make this film. And his dad actually recognized me from the security camera when I came into the store and played. And he said, it's funny, you're actually, you were Kane's first and only customer. <laughs> right? Wow. So I didn't know that when I decided to make the film. Right. Initially, I was just going to go back and make a film just about his games. And, and when, I, when I heard that, his son had been there every day for the entire summer. Kane actually One customer. Yeah, he'd been asking people to play, and people had just been walking by, and, and nobody really stopped, and that that really just kind of broke my heart. Yeah. Um, so as part of the film, the idea was to have a flash mob of customers to surprise Kane and come out and play and make his day. Yeah. Um, and and then so you make the film. What's the next step? Because it, it, obviously it blew up into a, a pretty huge movement, right? And now there's a, a scholarship foundation and so many other things. How do you how do you go from point you know point A to where you are now? Gosh, um, okay. So I should maybe rewind back even further uh, back when I was studying philosophy, and you're saying what what did I connect with this uh, yeah. story? Um, so the idea of the flash mob was sort of an idea. Um, that hadn't hatched, that I'd been kind of carrying around for a long time, mm-hmm. um, surrounding this idea of perfect moments, which it was this concept that I became really obsessed with when I was studying philosophy. And mm. I was reading um, Sartre's Nausea. Great read. I, I can't even spell it. Chartreuse who? Sartre's Chartreuse Nausea. Um, you drink too much chartreuse and then you get nauseous. <laughs> nice. um, no, it's, a, it's, it's this um, existential philosophy book. It's... it's um, kind of a heavy read but uh, there's this artist character in it who believes in this idea of perfect moments or is at least contemplating it Right. and he's wondering if they exist can you create them um, and I started thinking about that idea of trying to create perfect moments and this was you know like 20 years ago Yeah. and I had two ideas one was to spend my whole life making like really small moments of film like possibly even like one second of film and I had this idea of just spending my whole life making one second of animation yeah. which spins off into a a project I've been working on called the One Second Film. Um, there's, a, there's also a festival, right? Isn't there like a, a you know? A, there's been festivals and other things, but but uh, I started making a One Second Film back in 2000, right? Um, and crowdfunding it and doing all these kind of experimental things with it. Um, and the other idea I had was, what if um, you know to tr- try to create a perfect moment? What if you could see into the heart of a stranger and make a perfect moment for a perfect stranger? Like, know what would make them happier than anything in the world? Yeah. And that's what really happened with Kane. It was this idea of like, ah, I can make this perfect moment for this kid. And nobody wants customers uh, through my background in digital media and and, um, online branding, et cetera. I kind of knew how to do that stuff and uh, bring him lots of customers and then try to expand his business, right? So the same thing I was doing as a creative consultant for other companies I wanted to try to do for this kid's cardboard arcade. Um, And as part of the film... I started a scholarship fund uh, with a goal of raising $25,000 for Kane. And at the end of the film, I had, you know, I made a website, canesarcade.com, and I said, hey, chip into Kane's scholarship fund. You know, imagine what Kane could do with an engineering degree, right? Right. Um, so then I just posted the film online. Well, actually, even before the film, I think it's important to note that the process of making the film invited people to be part of it, right? So this flash mob... Um, reached out to people online, Facebook events, it hit the front page of Reddit, and lots of people were really interested and excited to follow the story uh, and invested, and they came out to the flash mob. We had hundreds of people come out to make Kane's Day, so um, that was kind of part of the story-making process, right. already engaging people. 
Uh, and so when the film was finished, it hit the front page of Reddit again. You know, the first day it was online, it got over a million views. It raised over $60,000 the first day. How does that happen? Wow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a lot of people make really compelling films, right? But not all of them get the, the front page of Reddit, right? Was that, was that a favor or was that like pure no, organic? Was, no favors. I didn't know anybody at Reddit. <laughs> um, like, hello, may I speak to Roger Reddit? Yeah, no, it was, it was organic. It was genuinely organic. It wasn't paid for placement. Right. It wasn't like having lots of people who have fake accounts, like voting things up. It wasn't well, any of that. And how did you feel at that, at that point in time, right? When, when you start to see like, oh my gosh, this thing is actually catching on and could be something like where you, you know. Um, I, I went, you know, I posted the film, sent in a link, and then I went to uh, the rock climbing gym that I go to. Mm-hmm. And um, my phone started getting pings while I was climbing that donations were coming in. And I was like, wow, you know, 15 donations, you know. I climbed, I turned my phone off, turned my phone back on. There were like hundreds and hundreds. It was already taking off. I went to bed that night, $16,000 had already been raised. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) But then we got- Did you cry? No, I wasn't crying. I I probably would have cried. (laughs) I was just, you know, we woke up the next day. It was like 4 a.m. The phone was ringing off the hook. It was like press from China, from all over the world. Everybody was like just calling up and- didn't sleep for the next two days. Websites crashing. You know, we raised the goal from $25,000 to $100,000. The next day it had raised over $110,000. Uh, it's Suddenly it's, you know, Vimeo features it on their homepage. YouTube features it on their homepage. Yahoo put it on their homepage. Um, the scholarship starts becoming a, a like a fourth dimension part of the story, right? right. Where, where people are following, like, how much is that raising? Like, and they... I'd be doing interviews, and it would be like, oh, yeah, we've raised $60,000. By the end of the interview, it was $70,000. It was like $10,000 a minute sometimes <laughs> being raised. It was like, it was phenomenal. And then and in addition to the money, we started seeing photos from all over the world of kids who saw the film and started building their own arcades in their parents' kitchen and their driveway. And uh, So it was like this really phenomenal response. Um, Yahoo, who put it on their homepage, right contacted us and said you know we put this on our homepage and it was the most positively received story that's we've ever had on our homepage of all time so they actually did a <laughs> follow-up story and put it back and and that's when we kind of knew like wow this is out of the ordinary like and just reading the comments like it was boing boing featured it and just reading right. these comments on youtube and boing boing they were really nostalgic it was like the film was bringing people back to their childhood it was making grown men cry um, told you. Yeah, it was it was amazing. I, I had no idea that the film was going to connect on that level. Yeah. So um, how long ago was that? How long? About a little over a year and a half, almost okay. two years. Uh, posted in April of 2012. And uh, it's since raised about $240,000 for Kane's scholarship fund. He can go to school with that. What, so what is what are you gonna do with now? Kid? Right now he's probably in school. Uh, he's in middle school. He's 11. Uh, he retired from his arcade uh, when he turned 11 because he was having too many customers all of a sudden. He, had the he needs to hire people. He needs more staff shirts. He had a lot of volunteer staff. Uh, people bought a lot of staff shirts. Um, two days after the film was posted, we decided to start a nonprofit as well. So that's like another part of the story. Which is what? To tell us a little bit about that. It's called the Imagination Foundation. Yep. And the idea was basically seeing this response from kids all over and knowing that how I met Kane by chance, you know, he's just yeah. sitting in this auto parts store. 
there's clearly so many other kids like Kane all around the world who need to have their creativity and entrepreneurship fostered. Right. So the idea was to start an organization that would help find, foster, and fund creativity and entrepreneurship in kids like Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, we started the foundation really just as a result of not really sleeping for two days and uh, seeing this response, but um, we didn't really have any programs when we began. Uh, and then three days after we started the foundation, um, an organization called the, the Goldhirsch Foundation, um, mm-hmm. started by Ben Goldhirsch, started Good Magazine, um, they stepped up and said, hey, we want to give you a matching challenge grant to the scholarship fund to help you guys start your nonprofit. So they put up a $250,000 matching challenge grant. Um, so every dollar being given to Kane Scholarship Fund, they started matching it dollar for right. dollar, which gave us some resources to start this organization, which initially was just like reading emails, so like 10,000 emails. As you, I mean, as you tell the story, right, it, and you start hitting all these unexpected milestones. Yeah. Um, what what did you have to adjust in your personal like career to even capture it, right? In, in I, I kind of had really to really like start running a business around this thing where you're like, oh, I just want to surprise this kid with some customers. You know, it, there's a lot of changes. I mean, my my uh, we we really only had one employee other than my partner and I at, at Interconnected, our little creative agency, right? And she has since moved over to the foundation, right? And we couldn't handle all the incoming requests, um, inquiries to do other stuff. So we kind of put a lot of our own personal business on hold to focus on this opportunity of starting this nonprofit. Right. Um, which is now, you know, still going and we've hired an executive director to run it and we've been building out the board of directors and we've developed some amazing programs. Like over a hundred thousand kids have taken part in our global cardboard challenge that we started in over fifty countries in the last two years. Oh, wow. Um <laughs> so it's been really it's rapid growth. Yeah, like, really know. phenomenal growth. Um, at the same time you're kind of unpacking potential and we're still in the process of doing no that. pun intended with the cardboard pun intended oh okay no, i was wondering <laughs> you've said this before <laughs> it, was, it was it was potential <laughs> potential um how i mean you know because there's been a lot of talk or bubbling conversation around stem and steam education mm-hmm. for kids and you know how responsive was kane to it like i went to i think it was either the one year anniversary or something it was yeah. your, either your birthday or his birthday or something um it's hard, for, you know, for a viewer almost to say, "Oh, this is a kid," right? It's like this is a phenomenal kid, and but he's like he's so regular. So, how do you manage that, right? And you know, and all the attention that he's getting, and well, a lot of vetting opportunities. I mean, everybody reached out from studio executives to toy companies to you know, we had VPs from Mattel coming over and playing Kane's arcade. You know, that, that, that first weekend. After it's the like a film. bad 80s movie. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I could say the VP of Mattel hit an amazing basketball shot from about 20 feet away nice. uh, into Kane's of all little, people. little hoop. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Um, and we were playing Uno, you know, on, in, in the cardboard office, kind of mm-hmm. like discussing various deals. Uh, it was fun. Um, Kane responded very level. Um, he wasn't really phased by it. It was kind of like, he felt like, you know, if you build it, they will come. I don't think he was super surprised that it right. has happened, really. Um, we ended up traveling around the world together, speaking at different conferences yeah. uh, with his family, with his brothers. Um, but there was definitely that concern. Like, all of a sudden, he became famous. Like, right. we were in San Francisco, and people were spotting him from across the street. It's like me in this podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Kane was wearing a hoodie. <laughs> you know, it didn't say anything right. to do with Kane's arcade in San Francisco, and people across the street were like recognizing him. Everybody on the plane, the pilots, everybody knew him. It wow. Was, it was suddenly like a different world. Um, and so there was that concern, right? So, uh, you know, we were just really careful with what opportunities we would say yes to. And also, like, making sure that the opportunities were something that would be fun uh, and engaging for, like, what Kane was interested in. Um, so I think the first thing we said yes to was a trip up to the Exploratorium in San Francisco. What was that? Uh, it's a kind of hands-on museum, experiential learning space for kids and adults. It's super fun. Um, so they actually drove Kane's Arcade up in a semi-truck, and we set it up there. And thousands of people came out from San Francisco to to get a fun pass. And you guys were what, you did something at UCLA and like, but it was like fifty bucks to get in. Or was either he gave a talk or there was like a. We've uh, done talks all over. Yeah, he spoke. He was the youngest entrepreneur to speak at the USC Marshall School of Business, uh, and CNN came out and covered it. He's been in like Forbes magazine seven times. Oh my god! Um, he was the youngest speaker at the Cons Lions International Festival of Creativity. He spoke on stage <laughs> with like. Bill Clinton and Ariana Huffington. Um, you know, he's been a TEDx speaker, uh, youngest TEDx speaker at TEDx Teen, hosted by Chelsea Clinton. He's yeah. done panels with Sen- Senator Ar- Arnie Duncan and Chris Paul, which he was super excited about. Um, yeah, so we've done all kinds of talks and lectures. And ultimately, like, Kane is an entrepreneur, so he loved having more customers. Yeah. But he's still a kid, so eventually he kind of got a little bit burnt out on, like, all of his weekends. So he would set his own hours. And I asked his dad how he would decide to open. And he's like, well, Kane has a wallet now. And when his wallet's empty, that's when he opens up the arcade. (laughs) (laughs) So he was kind of making money hand over fist. He bought a a go-kart, you know, and and it took him go-kart like racing and trampoline dodgeball. And he bought a bunch of Legos. And he also reinvested in more toys and prizes for his arcade. And um, so he was having fun with it. I mean, he he got an agent at WME. did pretty well and also his grades improved he stopped stuttering which i thought was amazing um when i first met kane um he was behind in school right like his uh teachers his school wanted to hold him back a year they considered him slow yeah uh and then after this whole experience his grades improved now he's considered like this gifted kid uh and to me that really resonates because kane was always this gifted kid but he was kind of being missed and there's so many kids like that that are just being missed well it, i mean that kind of brings up another topic just in terms of like the educational system i mean you, these ladies are here from the lit college did we talk about that already yeah oh. um which is a you know a college tour and mm-hmm. they're college students and they're learning these principles of uh what does the l-i-n-t stand for leadership that's what I said. Um, leadership, innovation, and transformation. But it's kind of like, you know, what type of education is a valuable education? You know, or um, when you look at STEAM or STEM and, and those kinds of things where kids are doing stuff on their own anyway and yeah. we don't respond to them. We're kind of like expecting them to respond to what we give them. Um, what what have you learned about the educational process and where it can improve? And, and yeah, I think there's a big movement more towards child-centered education where kids can follow their own passion, learn at their own pace. Um, things like the Khan Academy where you know kids can watch a video on, on a math yeah. topic and watch it over and over again until they get it and they're ready to move on. A friend of mine's daughter got double promoted because they spent the summer on Khan Academy. Yeah, hmm. super amazing program. Yep. And there's more things like this, more hands-on, more project-based learning. 
Um, and I've learned a ton through this. I mean, I hadn't even heard of project-based learning before this. Uh, and then I was talking to somebody from the MacArthur Foundation, uh, Mimi Ito, who's been a great advisor. Mm, yeah. um, and she was saying how Kane's Arcade is arguably one of the first scalable project-based learning models uh, because this has been around for 10, 20 years, but it's never been scalable. And something about where you have this concept tied with a story that has a kid hero at the center of it that kids can relate to, right. tied to this magical resource of cardboard that everybody has access to. Suddenly yeah. it's been able to grow at a, at a, at a scale. That and everybody has access to the content, right? Because yeah. I came, I mean, not everybody, but well, I mean, you know what I'm saying from, yeah. a, like you said, when you get a hundred thousand or you get a, you know, a hundred thousand kids participating across the world, yeah. like it's easier to get the message out there. Like uh, there may have been a cane 15, 20 years ago. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And poor, poor, poor that guy. Right? Um, no, that, you know, I've, I've seen comments from people saying, you know, I made a cardboard arcade or I had this game too, you know, cane haters, not cane haters, <laughs> but just like, I wouldn't mind a scholarship fund. Right. You know, I wouldn't mind people want to donate, you know, I'm, I'm a talented kid too. Yeah. So what's next? I mean, what are you guys looking to accomplish? You know, what kind of hurdles have you faced along the way? Cause it sounds like it's all success, but well, no, you know, the scalable hurdles, um, managing opportunities, um, figuring out what's next, um, running a website, branding, all of these things are the same challenges I think any startup has. Um, added complications of you know kids and parents and different situations, but um, there's still a lot of opportunities, I think, for Kane's Arcade and what's yeah. going to happen next and some things in the hopper right. that we're excited about. There's a lot of movement with the Imagination Foundation. Um, new programs we're developing, new partnerships. Um, uh, and then personally, I've kind of cleared some space to start working on some other films, too. So Nice. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, what's, you know, how do you balance your creative need versus this large, you know, business effort that's happening? So, you know, how do you how do you balance that time out? You know, I. I for the first seven, eight months, I was running this nonprofit and made a follow-up film called Kane's Arcade 2, uh, which launched the Imagination Foundation right. um, and the Global Cardboard Challenge that we did. Um, and I wasn't sure if I was going to be continuing to stay running this Imagination Foundation or not. Yeah. Kind of After the first eight-month push and we did this Global Cardboard Challenge, which culminates in this thing called the Global Day of Play. Yeah, which is on the anniversary of the flash mob we did for Kane. It's the idea of having flash mobs for kids like Kane all over the world who take part in this global cardboard challenge. So it's super fun. Um, first weekend of every October. Um, nice. And so after that, we did some strategic planning. They're all Scorpios, by the way. Okay. That we've come to, to learn. Nice. Um, <laughs> so I, I was just getting a lot of consultation and advice from smarter people than I am who right. been kind of through this and um, we did strategic planning for the Imagination Foundation and, and during that time um, I was able to have a little bit of pause and reflect on what I wanted to do personally creatively like what my talents are Yeah. Um, and decided to um, not stay in charge of the foundation but kind of move towards a, a chairman of the board kind of a non-profit role right. uh, and then create some space for me to Start making some more film projects. Sit at the head of that long, that long conference table. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Susan, what was your childhood like? Did you were you? I don't know. What did? What, were you in that sort of arena of play, or did you ever start a business when you were a kid? Mm, 
several. Yeah. I actually, um, I loved to draw when I was little. So I would actually, uh, you know, Scholastics, they have like the how to draw series of books. So I would get those, draw little photos and sell them for 10 cents at the school. Nice. And <laughs> once I got a quarter for a drawing of a horse and I was like, that's it. I'm going to be a drawer. I'm going to be an illustrator. This is amazing. That's awesome. Right. And I, so I used to draw as a kid, but I, I was always too attached to whatever I drew to sell it. And I was also very shy <laughs> as I got older because I started drawing some like, you know, random things. And it's all about support and positive reinforcement from teachers as well. Because yeah. once you get like, oh, what is that? You know, you start to become shy. And I think that's, you know, even the case with Kane where, you know, stuttering, like you're not getting the support that you need. And all of a sudden you're getting like, everybody's like, you're my hero. And you start becoming who people see you as. That's so true. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like that whole idea of, you know, the positivity, just the, the like the idea of support means so much in terms, like you said, grades and stuttering, like you would never associate the two, right? I, I don't, I mean, the t- those two things from his arcade and people just participating and, and taking notice. Well, and also confidence and self-identity. I mean, when I first met Kane, I'd ask him what he wanted to be when he grew up, and he'd say, you know, I want to join the SWAT team. And during interviews and stuff, after all this stuff happened, he started to say he wanted to be an engineer or a game designer. Hmm. He started referring to himself as a good engineer when he was building stuff. He'd be like, oh, let me do this. Uh, we'd be like tying some... I remember we were setting up some display somewhere and he was like going to figure out how to attach this chain to this post. And he's like, I can do it. I'm a good engineer. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. Yeah. He's still interested in the SWAT team as well, you know. But. What's that? You know, it's how you, well, that'd be a cool job. A SWAT team engineer. Yeah. Game engineer for the SWAT team. Yes. Like Sim- simulations. He would make awesome cardboard games for SWAT training. <laughs> um, Saving the army billions of dollars. I, that would be awesome. They hire a nine, uh, well, now 11. Yeah. year old kid um, so the show is called Innovation Crush right um, as far as your world is concerned or just any world for that matter what are some things that you're crushing on that you feel like are really setting a precedent out in the marketplace right now aside from yourself um, <laughs> let me see some of the things you know I'm really excited about what the Imagination Foundation is doing right. and uh, sort of the niche that it's filling in terms of um, inviting both kids and parents and adults to play and just to unplug and, and have simple hands-on time together. Right. Um, I really love the idea of um, this global day of play that's being developed and inviting the whole world to play. So we've got some really cool partnerships that I wish I could tease out or something. But I mean, What does it rhyme with? Um, well, <laughs> let's just say like companies that sell, like ship out a lot of boxes. Okay. Right? So like it's the idea of starting to put this cardboard challenge in every box that goes out in the mail. Subscription boxes? You know, people buy stuff <laughs> online. <laughs> you get a box uh, and, okay. and and you're invited to build something with it. Yes. Like some of these kind of low-hanging opportunities to kind of rethink um, creative play and, and, and uh, materials around us um, and just fostering creativity as a core social value. Yeah. I think creativity should be seen as a key literacy uh, to the 21st century. Well, that's interesting because I mean, you mentioned before, Susan, just uh, A, you had this creative knack, right? And But it wasn't fostered, right? When you say your parents were like college and what was it? it Computer engineering exactly. versus fashion or design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's, I mean, were, did you feel like you were always in conflict 
like kind of coming up or in terms of what you really wanted to do and what you felt like you had to fulfill or was it you know you know growing up Chinese specifically you feel like you kind of have the obligation to appease your parents at least I did you know it's it's like I owe them so much I owe them my life so I'm going to do what they tell me to do right yeah but you know my I come from uh, my, my father was Indian so all my cousins and relatives are either engineers or computer programmers or doctors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and my dad kind of gave me the space to kind of follow my own passion. Um, so, I don't know. It was cool. Like, he was with me. The the, the weekend after the, the film went viral, mm-hmm. um, that was the best day ever, right? So, thousands of people showed up to Kane's Arcade spontaneously. There was a five-hour line around the block of people waiting to play these four cardboard games. Everybody was so excited. Um, and we also got the $250,000 grant that day. And my dad traveled out from Houston, he's a travel agent, and was with me that day. Wow. Um, and uh, was standing next to me, and, and, and I got to introduce him to everybody because he's been like this huge supporter of me, right? right. I saw a lot of the same space that Kane's father gave Kane uh, with my father. And, you know, three months later, my father had a heart attack and passed away. And so that was actually the last day that we spent together um, was when he came out and we had that day together. So it was like just this really nice moment uh, yeah. in terms of my own story with my father for him to feel like, oh, my son m- made something. Well, it sounds like right? you, you like got, kind you, of you got that, your perfect moment. I did. I did yeah. get that perfect moment. It was totally perfect. Um, so last but not least, uh, finish this phrase for me. Innovation to me is... Imagination. Awesome. Thank you. I love it. And thank you, Susan, for joining us. Thank you, Nirvan, for being here and sharing such an awesome story. This is this is really great. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, everyone, this has been another episode of Innovation Crush. Thank you for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. like listening to comedy try watching it on the internet the folks behind the sideshow network have launched a new youtube channel called wait for it it's got interviews with comedians like reggie watts todd glass liza schleichinger slicing driving friends with her for 10 years one of the funniest people out there and i still have a hard time with the last name liza our very own owen benjamin that's me takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more you don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and 3 comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.